630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Well, nice weather forecast, Scott C. Bourgeois. Well, what's the C stand for? Crappy weather? Chilly beyond belief, maybe? Yeah, nice going. It's funny, he's not even listening to me. I can see him through the window. He has no idea I'm talking about him more. Hey, Scott C. Bourgeois. You have the stinkiest shoes in the building. There's no idea I'm talking to him. I'm listening to you, Reed. I'm also listening to you, Oh, Reed. you heard that part. There you go. <laughs> Are you serious? It's going to feel like minus 32, Scott Seabourgeois? Correct. When was that again? That's uh, tomorrow. That's horrible. That It's it's going to be a cold week. It's March it's 9th so- tomorrow. We should be golfing. I should be starting to run outside. And yet winter has finally caught up to us. It's what we get for all the mild weather we were having earlier in the year. Well, I won't blame you personally. Well, I appreciate that. All right. Thanks, buddy. Hey, uh, Oilers back at practice today. Uh, had trouble breaking through against the Islanders' uh, tough defense last night. Here's Milan Lucic. Well, you, you can't you can't let frustration kick in. Uh, you know, you gotta you gotta trust in your game plan, trust in your system, trust in your line mates, and and find ways to 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 bury chances when you get them. And I mean. We definitely had our chances to get, you know, two, three uh, goals and, and and make it an even game, but we weren't able we weren't able to, to to bear down on the chances that we had. So, like I said, you can't let frustration kick in. Uh, you know things are going to tighten up with uh, 16 games left, but uh, you got to raise the level of your play, raise the level of your game, and and uh, trust that it'll it'll give you the result that you want. It's like a constant reminder in this league what the first goal or two of the first three mean every night. I mean, you can just change things so quickly. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, you look at the game yesterday. We uh, we tie it up 1-1, go in the power play and, and have a chance to, you know, get the lead. And we don't do it, and they score. And then in the third period, we have a power play to... To tie it up, and we don't we don't uh, we don't get anything out of it, and then all of a sudden, boom, they score, and it's three and one. So uh, it's a fine line right now of winning and losing, and and uh, the opportunities you get, and like you said, getting that first goal is a huge one. And uh, I know our record's uh, pretty good when we were able to get that first goal. Crosby McDavid on Friday, you know it's going to be crazy. And I know you've been part of big matchups before. Uh, as, as a guy who's been a teammate of great players, but maybe you know you're not totally drawn into the hype around it. What's it like being on the fringes of that? Oh, it's pretty cool, obviously, uh, to see two great players like that go at it. Uh, they've both been 1-2 in scoring all season long. So, uh, you know, it was fun to watch the first time they uh, played against each other. I think uh, Connor had a three-assist night. So uh, looking forward to uh, seeing them go at it once again on Friday night. Well, that'll be a good one. The Penguins involved in a uh, very spirited game tonight against the Jets. Still 3-2 Winnipeg with the second period coming up. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. Pleased to join, uh, play, be joined <laughs> by uh, global television sports guru, Kevin Karius. 
Goodness gracious, it's good to be here today. How are you doing, buddy? Oh, chilly out there. Oh, yeah, it's bad. Go over your lips, get cold just walking into the building. I don't know if you heard, it's Scott Seaburge Wall's fault. Yes, well, <laughs> isn't everything his fault? Most things. Yeah. Most things. Thanks for dropping by. If, uh, if you're new to the program, uh, Kevin joins us uh, every Wednesday when there's not an Oilers game, though we gave you last Wednesday off because we were both busy with uh, trade deadlines. I stuff. wasn't that busy, actually. Really? I, I was very busy. In. I could have come in, helped you out. <laughs> I, was, I was very busy. Yeah. Uh, it was all done. We had a lot anyway. to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, uh, Crosby's uh, coming to town on Friday. You've been covering the Oilers, what, like 20, 22 20, years? 20, 19. 19, 20 years. We'll round it up to 20. Yeah. Are, are there any, um, you know, like hype situations that really stand out where it's like, man, that got almost out of control how a player or a team was coming to town? You know, and I think we probably have to mention Geno Malkin too because he's mm-hmm. probably one of the top 10 players sure. in the league when you think about it too. So, yes, Crosby, McDavid won two in the scoring race. I got I think I got to go back. For me, the bigger ones were when, say, guys like Gretzky was were traded and then came back and people didn't know how to react. And I don't think the Oilers even knew how to react back then either. And for me, like when Mark Messier hit Gretzky that one time, mm-hmm. and that was kind of like the signal where it's all over he doesn't belong you know he's he's not a member of our team anymore he's not you know the great one he's doesn't run the city doesn't you know it's not it's not all him um so i i think you got to go back to that and then even with Messier too and i so in my mind it's almost players that were from the glory years once once they were traded and then when they came back to me that those were the bigger ones than like just the head-to-head matchup sure there's like the, you mentioned the pronger when we were listening to milan too that was always always a big one when he came back for a number of years and you know got booed and whatever <laughs> but there you know there's some good ones for sure yeah i mean it is it, there's a this is gonna be a fun weekend uh i mean crosby obviously who knows where the penguins would be without him they might not even be in pittsburgh uh and then the canadians are here on Sunday and and I love the all Canadian showdowns because it's just you know the chanting and the teams the the, the fans cheering for the visiting team or quite often fans cheering for both teams you, you know you got i mean my, my dad's in his in his 70s is he toronto or montreal he was montreal okay. and he still he still has a soft spot for the canadians for mm-hmm. for sure quite frankly as do i because i copied my dad when i was a kid so i followed the canadians very very closely as well you know, even though expansion came in in 67 and, you know, everyone talks about you were either Montreal or Toronto, it took such a long time for a lot of teams to get off the ground as far as, like, Philadelphia would be the, the first team, I guess, that would break through. St. Louis was always there from 67 on and always played in the cup final, it seemed, mm-hmm. and lost four straight. Right. You know, because of how the divisions worked. So... I, I still think so. There's that still that generation where you have to even go ahead of 67 all the way up to, you know, the, the late 70s almost before basically when the Oilers came on, um, you know, as far as other teams besides the Leafs and, and, uh, and Toronto and, yeah. and Montreal, sorry. Yeah, and it's interesting to see where fan loyalties and team popularities are, are going to lie maybe in, in 15 or 20 years even once, you know, we're going to be uh, mm-hmm. older guys, so hopefully retired someday. But I was talking about this with someone, I mean, we all know the story here in Edmonton. There are kids in whatever grade four or five that have never cheered for the Oilers in the playoffs. Well, probably older because not not a lot of two-year-olds well, more, probably remember two High school kids. Yeah, sure. Well, they might sort of remember two. If you're 18, you'd remember well, when you were eight. 
right? Well, I don't know. Seven or eight. If you're, remember if you're, something. If you, got, if you have your driver's same. license right now, you probably don't remember. Probably don't, cheering, f- f- true enough. You, know. you probably don't remember much about 2006. Yeah. And from a Canadian perspective, how like there's, what, a third of Canadian hockey fans that have never watched a Canadian team win the Cup live, except on old videos? Probably, or like yeah. Montreal in mm-hmm. 1993. And it might seem, I mean, for guys in our generation to meet somebody our age or older and say, yeah, Montreal or Toronto is still my second favorite team or my favorite team. We're like, yeah, that makes sense. Like a 15-year-old would be like, who would have Montreal as their second favorite team? What have they done? And that's, But that's how much we as Canadians grasp on to the game and the fact that we think it's ours and, you know, it should be a Canadian team in there all the time. You know, I think most people think it was just like yesterday when Montreal won. You know, and that's almost 25 years ago. Boy, I know. That's great. I mean, I can remember 1993 yeah. like it was yesterday. You know, Those they, games won, were they won 10 or 11 games in overtime. Yeah. The only reason they won the cup. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, we was... Because even like what? So 80... The Oilers won 5 and 7. Mm-hmm. The two years they didn't win... Calgary was, and Montreal. Was Calgary and Montreal. Yeah. And then uh, Pittsburgh won, but Edmonton made the conference finals in 91 and 92. And then Edmonton, and then Montreal won in 93. You know, Montreal had a weird stat. Uh, so th- every, I believe it was seven years, they would win the cup. So they won in That's ni- right. 93. And you go back, and then they won in uh, 86 and 79, yeah. 72. They'd never gone more 65. than 65. But no, they won all the time on that seven year. And didn't every- they have a streak where they won in every year ending with a six, going back to 56 oh, or something like that, well, too? They won so many. I mean, huh? yeah. Well, yeah. Like yeah. the. the what was it from the end of the Second World War till the mid till the Flyers won? Every cup was Detroit. No, I guess it was until yeah, Boston won. Bo- there was yeah, that whole streak where it was yeah. either Detroit, Montreal, yeah. or Toronto, except for that one Blackhawks one in '61. It was like 20 years at least. Yeah, it was basically a three-team league. Like it was a six-team league because the Rangers. Three teams. The, and the main thing was because the Rangers never won and the Hawks never won. Right. So besides that one year you're talking about in '61 with Glenn Hall. Yeah. So. It was three teams were always the yeah, most competitive teams. Exactly. Uh, it's seven fifteen inside sports on six thirty. Chad Reed Wilkins and Kevin Carius. Uh, somebody texting in. When is Abby Benning on? She's going to be on in about twenty minutes. That'll be fun. To, I think you've probably have you interviewed her before? We actually just did a story on her about two weeks ago. Um, it's kind of funny. Uh, Quinn Phillips did it. Mm-hmm. I did a story with Matt and Brian yep. about a month and a little bit ago because I was uh, playing hockey with Brian and got him on the bench and started talking about things. So, nice. And then uh, we'll, we'll bring it up with uh, with Abby. But um, uh, her mom uh, sent me some pictures of when they were skating. And I guess it would be at Northlands, I guess. I don't know. Or Skyreach. Who knows what it was called when they were. So they were pretty young kids. And they. I think it would have been a family skate, something like that. So the kids were pretty young. So Yeah. So that'll be fun to have uh, Abby on for sure. We're doing a lot of university stuff this week and next. We had Jamie Crooks on on Monday. Uh, Bears hockey at Nationals next week. Jamie was uh, had had the hat trick mm-hmm. in beating Saskatchewan on Sunday. We had Barnaby Craddock on the Bears basketball coach. They're going to Nationals. They won Canada West. That's starting tomorrow. They play tomorrow. Dalhousie. They tip off Dalhousie, Dalhousie already. Yeah. Five o'clock our time. So we'll be able to update that uh, yeah. during Inside Sports and on global television as well. We got to take a quick timeout. Plenty more with Kevin at seven seventeen. This is Mark Letestu from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. All right, thanks for 
tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30. Jet, it is 7.21. Jets up 3-2 on the Penguins early in the second period. Bruins up 4-0 on Detroit in the second. And also, period two, Senators 3, Stars 1. I'm Reed Wilkins, Global Television's Kevin Carius in studio. I want to congratulate uh, Jen Kish from the Canadian Rugby Sevens team. She's a proud Edmontonian. Today named the most influential athlete of 2016 by the Canadian Association for the Advancement of Women and Sport. Jen has been on this program several times. We're going to try actually to get her on tomorrow. She was pretty busy today. We'll try to get her on tomorrow to talk about that. Kevin Carius is uh, in the throes of competition. Big game for you tomorrow. What's going on? <laughs> oh, no. You know what? I got asked to play from the boys back in Melville. They're in town for the CN hockey tournament. It's at River Cree. They got, so CN communities where all the big hubs are like Thunder Bay, Jasper, Edson. They get these teams and they come. They go across Canada every year and have a tournament. They've been doing it for 37 years. So uh, tomorrow's the big uh, championship game, so we'll head out to River Cree and see if a championship title can be had. <laughs> how co- how competitive are these games? Oh, it's okay. I mean, a lot of body guys... contact. No, no, there's no. Okay. It's just it's like rec hockey. Adult men's there's no body contact and slappers are. You don't see guys winding up with the big howitzers. So. What position are you? Rover. <laughs> you can at least try to position. A little bit here, a little bit there. I think I've been kind of all over the ice. Are you any good? No, not really. I just <laughs> fill in and have a couple of yucks with some guys. It's funny, like one of the guys that you know that I knew, I didn't know a lot of the guys on the team because they were all from Melville, but uh, one guy's name is Greg Walchuk. Mm-hmm. So he used to play for the Melville Millionaires when I was like four years old. So he's like 63, 64 years old now. And, uh, you know, he's still chugging along, get, you know, getting out there. And, you know, it's just fun to get out in the ice. What was, was Junior A the highest level you played? I played at SAIT in the ACAC. Okay. So I guess that's a little bit higher. Well, a little bit older, I guess. Well, it's basically ACAC. It's like Nate or... Well, I guess guys could be 18 to... Well, no, most of the guys are... You know, most of the guys that play ACAC have almost finished their AJ careers or mm-hmm. SJ careers or whatever, and so they've just gone on to play that level out instead of going to university. Were there a so. lot of teams in the ACAC when you played? Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was, well, just like it is now. I mean, you had, well, and even more, Red Deer College was in it. Mike Babcock was coaching Red Deer College when well, I played at your State. that was your year, eh? When I played at State, yeah. Wow. So who was the dominant team? Well, Nate. It was, it was Nate. Well, I mean, it was Perry still there? Perry Pern was still coaching okay. there, and I mean, they just clobbered everyone it wasn't even fair like I mean they had a they were just as good as or maybe even better than most university teams back then I mean even if you think about it when Nate and the U of A used to play that game every year I mean Nate won a lot of the games and had some very talented players so I mean it was just the fact that the players that went to Nate didn't want to do the schooling they were just as good as the players that went to the U of A but they didn't want to take the the schooling they wanted to try a trade or they couldn't handle the schooling right the other uh, so did you play two years at state just one yeah one year at state yeah. and nate won the championship uh nate yeah well it was automatic they, they wouldn't they just it was it was given to them when no one they didn't even have playoffs <laughs> oh come on <laughs> oh no they did of course they did but back then right around then is when because it used to be that you'd go you'd win alberta and then you'd go and play the for can, the canadian championship but right around there is when they stopped doing that yeah uh which is too bad because there were a lot of good teams in ontario that nate would go on and 
pound as well. So. Right, but most. But I, I kind of remember that from when I was it was a kid. Then the I think even they used to take the second Alberta team to the Canadian Championship. Yeah, there, were, there weren't enough just teams like, in all the provinces. It would be just like the Huskies and the Bears going to nationals kind of thing. Right, you know, for except for fewer CS. teams in other regions. I yeah, would assume, right. I mean, you had teams out in BC too. You know, there were the mm-hmm. you know. I, is it Caribou College? Is that ring oh, yeah. bell? Maybe. Yeah. But you know, they had a lot of teams out in in Ontario and and things like that. Listen, but you know, they don't have the. You know, they have. They still have the national college like CCAC for basketball and things like that. I mean, that's coming up at Nate next weekend for the women. Mm-hmm. But they don't have it for hockey. It's too bad. Isn't Caribou College now UNBC? I don't even know. I One can't. of the teams that got into Canada West. Don't get me started yeah, on all the I teams. Mean, it's hard to keep track did of you, I mentioned this last week. You saw how they did the standings in Canada oh, West I basketball know. this year. But well, I'll like just a, tell people quickly. Yeah. They went by RPI, which is Ratings Performance Index, I think. Mm-hmm. So basically, if you could be 20-0 and 0 and finish fourth, if because they multiply your winning percentage home and away by your opponent's winning percentage and by your opponent's opponent's winning percentage, because yeah. there are too many teams in the league to have a true round robin regular played, season. Yeah. So you, they're saying if a team went twenty and zero, but they played, you know, you basically you had to be uh, Matt Damon from Goodwill Hunting to figure it out. <laughs> you know. That's a great reference. Yeah, it's not fan friendly. That's what I mean. I love university sports, but they do so many things that aren't fan friendly. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Uh, this uh, texture says, Kevin, when did you play for the Millionaires? Nineteen eighty four to nineteen eighty eight. Ooh, that's a. Long, career. long stretch, yeah. All right. Uh, you can text 630-630. Kevin and I are going to go over some other things. I want to get your opinion on Vince Young in the next sure. half hour of the show. That's uh, going to be fun. Uh, but Abby Benning's going to jump on after the break. Uh, defenseman for the U of A Pandas hockey team. Her brother, Matt, plays for the Edmonton Oilers. They finished second in Canada West, but that was good enough to go to Nationals starting next week at Queen's University in Kingston. So we'll touch on that after the news. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Oscar Clefbaum from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Shad. All right, Oilers and Penguins on Friday, Oilers and Habs on Sunday. Those will be fun. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Kevin Carius from Global Television joining me in studio. My name is Reed Wilkins. Got a text here to 630-630. Is Kevin keeping tabs on the Melville Millionaires game tonight? Last of the regular season. If they win, they could make the playoffs. We were talking about that in the dressing room at River Creek today because it was postponed from last night because of the storms in Saskatchewan. So uh, you said it was 2-2. They're playing Estevan, I believe. And yep. Melfort, I think, has to lose. and then They don't control their own destiny, no. unfortunately. And then they go into the big Survivor Series or something like yeah, that. Yeah, we were just looking at it. The Piers, 10 of the 12 teams they all, the everyone make gets the playoffs. In, yeah. Yeah. yeah, everyone basically, gets basically in. Basically, if you go 0-64, they don't yeah. let you in. Other than that, <laughs> uh, you can get in. Hey, uh, it, Kevin and I were touching on this. It, it is a cool time of year for uh, university athletics, and U of A teams continue to do uh, very well. We should shout out to the volleyball teams. The Pandas Volleyball hosts Canada West Final Four this weekend. Mm-hmm. The Bears are hosting Nationals next weekend at the Savile Centre. So those are teams that have shots at championships. Uh, Golden Bears basketball, Nationals tomorrow. Golden Bears hockey, Nationals next week, along with Pandas hockey. And I'm pleased to welcome defenseman from the Pandas, Abby Benning. Abby, welcome to the show. How are you doing? 
I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, uh, pretty exciting. Next weekend, you guys go to Queens to play uh, in the national tournament. Tell us a, a little bit of, uh, about uh, about your season. I know you didn't quite win the Canada West Championship, but give fans a sense of uh, how you guys have played this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, we had a really kind of a slow start at the beginning of the year, and uh, we have a young team. So um, at the beginning of the year, we really were just working on building our team up and building our systems and all that. And um, I thought towards the end of the year, like, we didn't really lose second half. We lost one game. So um, we really, throughout the season, we've really built as a team. And having a young team, we had 13 rookies coming in. So um, I thought along those lines, we did really well on getting – to the finals for Ken West. Wow, one answer, and you're already a better interview than your dad is. <laughs> <laughs> um, what kind of coach is Howie Draper, and what's he meant to, to your development and the team's success? Yeah, I mean, uh, well, Howie, he really cares. Like, he's, um, there's not a lot of coaches out there that they, he really goes the extra mile for, for all of us girls, and um, he really, like, he's a really successful coach and we all buy into his systems so um, we really trust him as a coach so I think that helps with our success. Abby Benning from the Pandas hockey team joining us on Inside Sports. Tell us a, a little bit about uh, you know your path to the university. I mean uh, female hockey has come a long way in the last quarter century. There are so many opportunities. Were you playing uh, midget? Were you recruited to other schools? How did you, how did you, and I know you're an Edmontonian, but how did you ultimately pick the U of A? Um, yeah, well, um, we kind of, we did the whole touring thing. I mean, Matt played college as well, so um, we did the whole touring thing, and uh, I just, I had a good feeling about the U of A. Like, uh, I mean, it's my hometown. I'm a homebody, so um, it's obviously my comfort zone a little bit, but um, just, I've worked with some of the coaches. I've worked with Howie. I've worked with Leah Copeland um, just throughout, like, the Alberta, um, just, like, Alberta Cup stuff and all that, so um, I just I knew them as coaches before, like I was on their team before as a player as well. So um, I just liked their coaching style. I liked how they treated the players, and um, the a lot a big thing also was education. Um, Canadian schools have great education, so that's kind of what I was looking at when I was looking at all the different schools. So the American schools really try to recruit Canadian uh, young women hockey players. Uh, was it tough to to choose? And because, you know, there's that cachet while I'm going to whatever you could call it, Northeastern or call it wherever uh, you wanted to go. But is there, was that a tough uh, decision to to stay in Canada? Um, Yeah, no. I mean, the the state schools, NCAA schools, like, uh, they have great atmosphere. Like, they're um, going to watch Matt play at Northeastern, all the games. Like, there was, it was a great atmosphere. There's a lot of students. Um, and I mean, a lot of people get caught up in all the different, like, it's very flashy. Like, I mean, you can get all these scholarships and stuff. So I think a lot of people, um, they go for the scholarships because, I mean, I mean, that's awesome. Like, scholarships are great. But I mean, Canadian schools are starting to do that also now. So I think that's also a big selling point on why people choose to go NCAA CIS. So, um, I mean, it was. Like, we definitely had a list. My dad's huge on getting a list and put a list of pros and cons and whatever weighs more is good. So um, we kind of did that for the Canadian and uh, NCAA schools, and 
I don't know, just we had a lot of positives for at the U of A, so... Abby, let people know what you're studying, and, and I always ask this question of university athletes because I often get really interesting athlete uh, answers. Let people know what you're studying and how you have found balancing, you know, a, a busy school schedule with a busy hockey schedule. Yeah, so uh, I'm right now. I'm in Native Studies, so I'm looking towards getting a double degree in Native Studies and Education. So um, it's a five-year program. So. Um, that's what I'm taking and um, I mean the balancing that last year was my first year um, playing being a well I was a student athlete before that but I mean the university load is a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier so um, when it's always tough I mean like you have to have a schedule you don't really have free time and you, you just give up some of the things that being just a student would also give you so um there's definitely a commitment that you have to check so but i mean it's good because all the girls on the team they're all in the same boat and they all try to help and there's a lot of student resources at the u of a that help with um keeping on track and if you need assistance getting that so it's really helped what was it like kind of growing up in a hockey family? I did a story with Matt uh, about a month and a half ago, and, uh, of course, your dad, Brian, and your mom actually sent me some pictures of you guys kind of growing up. Uh, you were pretty young uh, when the pictures were taken. I don't know where they were. It was just, kind of looked like just a like a family skate. But, uh, you know, just what was it like growing up uh, in that kind of hockey family atmosphere? Um, it was... Well, I used to be a figure skater, so I started out as a figure skater, and I thought hockey was stinky, and only boys play <laughs> hockey, so I never kind of went, I never really looked twice at hockey, um, until I played ringette for a year, and my I really enjoyed it, so that's when my dad kind of, my dad and my grandpa, mm-hmm. um, they kind of encouraged me to try hockey, and I was like, oh, okay, well, only if you get me new equipment, I don't get any of Matt's old equipment, first of all. <laughs> And then, so, after my first year, I just, I, like, I'm more of a team kind of person. I knew, I my mom would have to secretly sign me up in figure skating competitions because I didn't want to do them because I didn't want to go out by myself. So, I knew a team sport was for me. And ever since then, I started hockey when I was nine, and I just, I loved it. So. All right, you play defense. Do you shoot right? Yep. Now, did your dad make sure that happened? Because he said he kind of tried to lead you and, and and Matt down that, or at least lead Matt down that road so he would be a right-shooting D-man. Yeah, I think, well, when we were younger, my dad kind of just gave us right-handed sticks, so <laughs> that's what we learned on. But, uh, I mean, I was nine at the time, so I think I kind of was a natural right-hand shot, um, but it just kind of worked out. I mean, for guys, it's a little bit... Well, even for girls, too, there's um, a lot of lefties out there, so um, to have right-handed is a little bit of an advantage. Not as much for girls, but... Abby um, Benning... Sorry, Abby, I thought you were done. Go ahead. That's okay. No, that's good. I'm all done. Okay, Abby Benning, defenseman for the U of A Pandas hockey team, joining us on Inside Sports. Just a couple more for you. Um, I mean, obviously this interview is about you, but you know, your, your family story is a big one. Uh, you know, Matt was uh, signed by the Oilers uh, in, in the summer, 
went through Penticton, played great, made the team. He hasn't played every game, but he's been in the NHL all season long. Just what's his, what's it been like for you to uh, to observe your brother? Uh, you know, have so much success, and he's be- become quite a fan favorite this year as well. What's it been like you for you watching him? Oh, I mean, we're all proud of him. Like, it's a huge accomplishment, and it's been his dream since he was started playing. So it's a huge accomplishment. The thing with Matt is he's a pretty level-headed guy, so you, you don't really know when he's too up or down. So he's kind of having a hockey family. We've kind of we've been pretty good on not making it too big of a deal, but enough of a deal that we know that we're obviously super happy for him. So um, it's been huge, and there's been a lot going on, and um, it's exciting for everyone, and I know that my younger brother, Mike, he's got all of his buddies talking, oh my god, your brother's in the NHL, and so it's, it's fun, it's, it's good, to, good to go watch him too, because I mean, I haven't been able to watch him for a while, him be playing at Northeastern previously, so it's just worked out really good. Yeah, we never got to talk about Mike yet, uh, do you get to go to see uh, his games, he's playing Bantam in St. Albert, right? Yep, he actually just had uh, they went to Game 5 against, against Fort Saskatchewan, so uh, unfortunately they lost out, but, uh, I mean, he had a really good season, and uh, we're just looking at the draft now for him. Right. Awesome stuff. Uh, Abby, just before we let you go, uh, give us the practice and travel schedule for the Pandas, because I think your first game is next Thursday. If Well, maybe they don't have the schedule out yet, but what's going on? Yeah, well, uh so far there's another I think there's another division that still has to play this weekend so we don't know for sure who we're going to play yet until that's taken care of so um, we I know that we practice uh, Sunday because we have a weekend off so we practice Sunday uh, Monday, Tuesday morning really early and then we catch our flight out and then after that Howie's just got our schedule we don't really know it's going to be up to him from there when okay. we play, when we practice type thing. Awesome. Well, Abby, all the best. Thanks for uh, updating everybody on your career. This is exciting that the Pandas are chasing the national final for sure. Thanks for joining us on Inside Sports. I hope we can talk again. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks, that is Abby. Abby Benning checking in from the U of A Pandas. Well, great interview, Kevin. Well, yeah. As I she said, can just, we can just, I think if we want a Wednesday off, she can just come in and host the show. On answer, already <laughs> ahead of the old man. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, you know, the university athletes are uh, generally pretty sure pretty well-spoken, yeah. um, but uh, she was uh, at a pretty high mm-hmm. level. Yeah, and as you said, almost every university athlete I've interviewed in 19 years here, they've been really, really just uh, articulate and they make sure that they get their point across and um, you know represent the university well yeah well and I think they get I don't know if they do formal media training but I think they're talked to like sometimes where it's like okay hey you know what we're not gonna have people here daily so when a camera or a radio guy is here you know it's okay to give a complete answer give your thoughts and what what did Horwood say you can it's okay you don't have to do the interview when you, you when yeah. you, when we lose that's fine but when you score 30 you're still I'm telling ready. the cameras that you don't talk you're not you don't, available you, yeah exactly uh 7:46 inside sports on 6:30 chat we'll update the scoreboard Kevin and I will hit on some other news of the day points inside sports on 6:30 chat <laughs> This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, thanks for tuning in, 751. My name is Reed Wilkins, Global Television's Kevin Carius joining me in studio as he does uh, most Wednesdays. I guess that's the way to put it. 
Whenever you want me in, big guy, I'm only a phone call away. And you could, like, run over here. It's pretty close. Oh, it's a ways away. You could snowshoe over. Senators lead the Stars 4-1 late in the second period. Penguins 5, Jets 3. Four minutes left in the second frame. Boston up 5-1 in Detroit after two. That's your NHL scoreboard. And uh, the Raptors leading the New Orleans Pelicans, one of the worst team names in North America, 68-62, last minute of the third quarter. That was a good start to the Winnipeg-Pittsburgh game yeah, because it, game. It, it came, you know, it was a continuation from the last game where Wheeler hit uh, Malkin, and Malkin and Wheeler went at it right off the hop. And good, you know what? Outstanding that uh, Malkin dropped the flippers because he doesn't, you know, that's not in his game. He but didn't look comfortable in the fight. Not at all, but that's fine. <laughs> you know what? And then when Sestito and Thorburn went, now they got back, and now they put eight goals on the board. And Sestito then got thrown out. That might have happened. Yeah. I don't know if you were still at work when that happened. I probably was down. Sestito yeah. drilled the guy from behind, got Oop. tossed from the game. It was pretty ugly. Uh, Eskimos news today. Jordan Lynch, backup quarterback, kind of a running quarterback sneak specialist has retired after two years on the team he did score the Grey Cup winning touchdown in 2015 he's going back to Northern Illinois to be the running backs coach they've signed free agent linebacker a Canadian Corey Greenwood who's a pretty good player six foot two 235 important that he's Canadian because he can come in and start which will help them probably use three American receivers uh, I would guess the linebacking core it's early, likely for the Eskimos, though, Greenwood, Sherritt, and Ladler. You can what, pencil in right now. Would it surprise you after two or three, four, five years of coaching um, that Lynch ends up in Canada in some capacity coaching? Think he's going to come back? I don't know. Just a question. <sighs> I don't know. Didn't like I mean, it? He, I, mean, I, think, I don't think he... No, I think he liked it uh, here. But he's only 26, and he's going back to Northern Illinois. I, I think um, the Americans prefer to coach in America if they can. Yeah, but some guys have gone and then oh, come sure. back, you know. Yeah, someone gave him a good opportunity, for sure. Never eh, that's an interesting question. Vince Young is uh, in Regina. Pictures of him in the airport today. He, uh, I was just double-checking, of course. He's not played since 2011. It, it, it's thrilling college quarterback with Texas. Had his moments in the NFL. He is only 30. Well, he'll turn 34 in May, which isn't old for a CFL quarterback. Even some of the top NFL guys you mm-hmm. know, can play well late into their 30s. But this is uh, an interesting move by, by the mad scientist Chris Jones, if you want to call it that. I think if, if he goes to camp and signs, depending what his contract is, if he has a contract that says, okay, uh, you make the opening day roster, you're going to be paid X amount of dollars. And that is a high dollar and a high contract and a high salary. And he's a borderline quarterback in camp or in yeah. exhibition. They'll just let him go. Yeah. Because well, if he's not going to be your starter, you're not going to really keep Well, it depends around. on what his contract is. Yeah, sure. I mean, he doesn't need any money, let's be honest. Unless, who knows, maybe he does. Maybe he does. But, <laughs> you know, depending on what he, what he can perform and how he adapts to the Canadian game, I mean... It's going to be tough for him. Ezrich Sugarfoot Anderson passing ah, away at the I'm age of 97. That. He played for the Calgary Stampeders 1949-55, to 55, one of the first African-Americans in the CFL. Before I came to ITV and Global, I was working at CTV in Calgary, and that would have been like 20 years ago. And I went to Calgary Stampeders practice, or, you know, when I first got to Calgary, and he was one of the first people I ever met. 
and he was one of the nicest guys I ever met. He he said, uh, I, like, I just distinctly remembering him. Like, I was like, who is this guy? Like, he, he was having trouble walking back then. I mean, this is a guy that played so many years. He would have been 77 mm-hmm. at the time. And he, he said things like, you know, who are you? Where do you work? Are you new? Like, he made me feel at home and comfortable. So one of the things I'll never forget when I uh, first started covering uh, the CFL in Calgary. Awesome. Great nickname. Sugar, oh, Sugarfoot. That's, yeah. a, that's a beauty. Uh, just a couple other quick notes, Kevin. We're in the final 90 seconds. Looks like Tony Romo will be released by Dallas on Thursday. Uh, you could probably see that coming. And uh, Gary Bettman, I touched on this earlier, says the NHL preparing as if they will not be an Olympic break next year and uh, no changes to the offside rule or anything like that. The v- review. That's normal, you don't care. right? No. You don't care. I mean, uh, you know what? Here, here's the thing. I think we got. Do we have time? About We're going, seconds? We got a minute and ten seconds. Okay. Well, the whole thing with the NHL is they don't want to go to Korea, right. but they want to go to China. They want to go to China because it is a massive opportunity for the league to grow and make a ton of money in China. They don't want to go to Korea, but they want to go to China, and that's the problem because of the. You know, it's just two years after, or four years after the next Olympics. Pittsburgh scores again, now leading Winnipeg 6-3, a minute left in the second period. That has been an entertaining game. Kevin, thanks for coming. All right. We'll see you again next week. Sounds good, bud. Kevin Carrius from Global Television. You can watch him on the old flat screen tonight. Oilers practice tomorrow. Stoffer will have Oilers now from noon to 2. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Besides the latest from the Oilers practice, I'll have Toronto Argos quarterback Ricky Ray on the show. I was wondering if I was going to be interviewing him this offseason about retiring, but no, he's back as the Argos try to uh, rebuild with Pop and Trestman. We're going to have Game 5 Alberta Midget Hockey League highlights tonight. Sherwood Park Southside Athletic Club deciding game. Thanks to the producer of the show, Dave Campbell, our studio producer, Warren Mulvey. My name is Reed Wilkins. Charles Adler tonight is next. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.